On June 1, 1921, the Tulsa, Oklahoma neighborhood known as Greenwood was looted and burned to the ground by a white mob. 35 city blocks were destroyed and 300 people are believed to have lost their lives. Two days earlier, an encounter between a black man and a white woman in a downtown elevator sparked a confrontation between whites and blacks, which resulted in the destruction of one of the nation's most successful black neighborhoods, famously known as Black Wall Street. As we approached the 100th anniversary of the massacre, we wanted to meet and hear the voices of those who live and work in the Greenwood neighborhood. With that, we present Greenwood, here and now. I know you've been a reporter in Tulsa for, for many, many years, um, and, and I want to know sort of what, what caused you, what was your call to action to, to maybe want to go report on uh, the Tulsa Race Massacre? Well, uh, the call to action was being assigned to it. Um, I, uh, uh, so this was back in late 1999, and uh, at that time there was a state uh, race riot uh, commission that had been appointed by uh, that had been authorized by the legislature and so uh, we've been covering that for a couple of years and the reporter who had been recovered been covering it uh, was leaving and so uh, I was called in and, and assigned to uh, not only cover that commission but to start doing some uh, Started doing my own research and kind of with with a particular eye to what uh, the 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 local newspapers how they had covered it back at, at that time, but but also just more general research on the subject. Yeah, for sure, and and um, sort of when you when you think of it from that, like obviously you know a lot of the archive newspapers uh, definitely helped you out. Uh, I'm sure a ton in, in your reporting there. Um, and when you look at some of the people that are, are in this state, even uh, a lot of people don't really know that, that this even happened. Some people. Um, and when they hear about it for the first time, it's always a shocking thing. Um, how important would you say it is to, to archive all of this, uh, all of this reporting, all of this work so people know about it in the future? Well, it's, you know, it's very important to uh, archive as much as possible. Um, you know, not just about this, but, um, uh, all sorts of uh, newspapers and historic, historical documents. I mean, you know, most newspapers have for many, many years been, been uh, preserved on microfilm, and uh, and now the and now they're being preserved uh, digitally, and uh, so all of that's important, of course. The uh, the key thing there is that they have to be preserved in such a way so that as the technology changes, they're still accessible. And uh, you know we've we've kind of moved away from microfilm uh, to digitization, which is uh, in a lot of ways uh, easier to access. Except the thing about microfilm is is that it's a pretty low tech. Uh, way of, of preserving things so uh, as time goes along uh, you're still able to, to read the microfilm uh, with the digital preservation 
the software and the technology changes and uh, you run the danger of at some point not being able to to read the documents anymore but for certain you know all, all sorts of documents and, and actually what we've seen is a lot of the a lot of the things related to the to the race massacre that were had been available all along but they were in uh, you know uh, hard file hard copies paper copies uh, they were in archives in various places so you had to go to those places and kind of know what you were looking for or get real lucky to find them a lot of those things now have been are, are available online and they weren't even you know 15 or 20 years ago right and and for history's sake obviously very important and and you had to analyze a lot of these pieces um is there anything that that sort of when you were doing this research i guess uh, obviously about the race massacre um that stuck out to you and was like sort of a moment where you were like Oh my goodness! What am I getting? What am I getting myself into? Or, or, or this is just a horrible moment right, right there. Well, you know, if something's called a riot or a massacre, you, you have a pretty good idea going in that it's that it's bad. And so, you know, I don't know that there was anything like that. I mean, uh, you know, I, I I knew it was pretty bad to start out with. That that had been pretty well established. I think the things that actually uh, affected me the most in terms of my thinking about things were was um, as I expanded my base of of information and started reading all these old newspapers and some of the other documents, yeah, some and things that weren't even directly related to the massacre was the was the realization of just how ingrained uh, racism was into every aspect of, of American society because I think we want to try and think that it was you know sort of uh, something that that a few people uh, did but but a lot of other people were just sort of uh, uh, disinterested bystanders and and that's really not the way it worked uh, the, the racism was really ingrained into everything so so you know yeah yeah this is a this is a pretty horrible thing because you know that's why they call it a, a riot or a massacre but, but but there were a lot of aspects of day-to-day -day life that were uh, in some ways uh, more revealing Right. And, and obviously, like with you working at the Tulsa World, uh, you're right there in, in um, like right near Greenwood and, and uh, you, it's just a couple minutes drive down the road. Um, in what ways during this process did you uh, get, get to know the, the current community of Greenwood and, and what do you see from them right now that, that maybe is there any signs of them going, uh, you know, furthering on in, in, a, in a good direction in terms of the community or, or what do you see from it now? Well, of course, I did. I mean, that was one of the good things about uh, uh, covering covering this matter and uh, and continuing, to, you know, in it for over twenty years was that uh, uh, you did. I did get to meet a lot of people, and uh, and I got to meet a lot of people who had, had different experiences in life and had different perspectives than I did, and uh, and so I had to learn to. Um, 
to, to see things from their point of view and understand their uh, perspectives. Um, the world has changed and Tulsa has changed a lot in the, in the hundred years or almost a hundred years since. Um, and I would say mainly for the better in terms of, of uh, uh, race and race relations. Um, and so, you know, what's happened there, well, first of all, the, the original Greenwood, most of what was burned in the, in the, in the, uh, on June 1st, 1921, is, is, um, it's no longer in the domain of, of uh, African Americans. Um, you know, the biggest part of it is now a, a college campus. It was taken over in the 60s and 70s through uh, urban renewal, and and then uh, the rest of it has mainly been uh, uh, in the last say decade or so has been developed in other ways. There's a ballpark there now, and there's some uh, businesses and and uh, restaurants and things like that. So uh, you know that's that's actually caused a lot of a lot of friction. And uh, you know the Greenwood that existed up until around 1970 or so is just is basically gone. And I you know except for one uh, little piece of it there that's been more or less preserved. I, I don't see see it coming back. I, I don't see how that can happen. Now, if you're talking about in terms of the African American community in, in Tulsa, it, it, it's really spread out. And, um, and uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of disagreement over, over what, um, what, what direction it's going, what direction it should go. Um, it's probably, you know, beyond my comprehension to, to, to guess what's going to happen. But, you know, I, I think over time, it's, uh, you're going you're gonna to continue to have areas of Tulsa that have, and, and some of it are in that. I mean, the, the area that's now thought of as, you know, North Tulsa or Greenwood or, or black Tulsa or whatever. Uh, there's a lot of poverty in there, and um, how you know how I, whether that that can be uh, addressed or not. I think that's a that that that's something that we've been working on for as long as I've lived in Tulsa, forty years. And uh, you know whether we get anywhere. Or not, I don't know, but I think you have to be careful and understand that just because the area that's identified as Greenwood has a lot of po poverty, that 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 uh, all Black Tulsans live in poverty because that's that's not the case. Yeah, definitely, um, and and something that I that I believe that you could probably speak a little bit better to. Obviously, that was just a little bit of speculation. 
is sort of when you were analyzing a lot of this stuff, right? Um, and you were thinking about like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the, what, what the newspapers are doing and how they were covering it. How would you assess, um, a lot of people think that back then maybe the newspapers were, were a little bit biased uh, because of it. How would you assess the way that they, they covered it back then and, and how did it impact the work that you did on this book? Well, um, you know, the newspapers largely reflected um, the communities that they, that they served. So if we're talking about the, the World and the Tribune, which were the two the main newspapers, daily newspapers in the city at the time, and their audience was, uh, they, they were mainly interested in their white audience. They, they were very uh, uh, biased in that way, and, and which was kind of the norm. So, um, so, you know, when I'm reading those newspapers, I have to understand that that's, uh, I understand what those biases were. In in some cases, it's quite obvious, you know. They uh, in some of the language, um, I would say the Tribune in particular uh, was was uh, uh, they uh, they basically they wanted uh, the old, they wanted Greenwood uh, removed. They wanted it cleared out. Now I, I want to be clear; they didn't necessarily want the black population run out of the city, but they, they believe the old, uh, the old Greenwood, uh, needed to be, needed to be, uh, well, reformed and moved. In other words, they want, they wanted it moved further out of the, out of the city or to the edge of the city. And, um, so you know, they both newspapers reflected a lot of the biases and, and uh, stereotypes of that of that period. Yeah, for sure, and I'm sure you find that a, a lot if you're you know doing any sort of these uh, historical pieces, which is probably very fascinating to see um, that happen. Um, as and last question for you, Randy, as somebody like you said has lived been in Tulsa for 40 years, um, how have you seen, I guess, over these past 40 years and and into today? Um, sort of how Tulsa and Greenwood have, have meshed together, I, I guess, if it's better or if it's, uh, you know, or how, how has it been since, you know, since you've gotten here? Well, you know, I, so I, I think the, the, uh, attitude of, of white Tulsa, uh, towards, uh, race has, has changed during that time. And I think in uh, a lot of ways it's uh, become more uh, understanding and um, in, in somewhat less racist. I mean, when I, when I came here, I, you know, I was a sports writer. Uh, the University of Tulsa had a, uh, had a black quarterback and... Uh, you know, even though there, I don't know that there was a lot of overt racism, racism directed to, towards him, there was a lot of sort of uh, um, probably unrecognized racism that was unrecognized on the part of 
of some of their fans. In other words, what I'm thinking about is is that whenever the team won, everybody loved him. And when they didn't win, there were a lot of suggestions that maybe they should give the, the backup quarterback who was wide and not nearly as athletic, uh, you know, another chance. And then, you know, so 20 years ago when I was covering the, the, the race riot, it was called the Race Right Commission then. It's now sometimes referred to as the Race Massacre Commission. Uh, you know, when I'd write stories about what happened, I'd get a lot of I'd, I'd get a lot of calls and, and messages and things like that from people who were unhappy that we were uh, spending a lot of time on on that subject. And so, you know, now when we write about it, uh, we don't get much of that at all now having said all of that there's still a lot of you know sort of uh systemic uh racism i think in the city and probably a lot of other cities too and uh, a lot of uh, of what nowadays is called implicit bias or you know people have biases that they don't really recognize um and so it's you know it's an ongoing it's an ongoing process. Uh, people are trying to to recognize um, where some of these uh, relics of the past exist in our system, and and are trying to um, trying to root them out. Yeah, definitely, and, and an ongoing process for sure. We'll see sort of how it how it uh, unwinds here. Definitely in the uh, in the centennial anniversary of the Tulsa race massacre. Uh, Randy, thank you so much for doing this um, and, and for all your insight and for all your reporting. Uh, I sincerely appreciate it a ton. All right. Thank you. Greenwood Here and Now is produced by the Ocali Media Group. Thank you for listening.